When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Taking you behind the curtain, it's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Certain words creeping into his conversation. Words like swell. Soldier old man. It's all my friends. You got trouble. Riding in the city. With a capital T that rides with P that stands for fool. We've surely got trouble. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And lucky me, because I went to see The Music Man. I've seen The Music Man at least two times, maybe three. Love that show. And you know what? I love that show. This was my third or fourth time. Every time you see it, it's different. The music, in fact, our producer and I were just saying how great when... You go to the theater and you come out and you're singing and you're humming till there was you or whatever. One of the wonderful shows. And Jefferson Mays, a truly superb actor. I am my own wife. I will never forget some of the things I have seen Jefferson Mays in. Just incredible. Some, some things you see in many plays, eight or nine parts and doesn't miss a beat. A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, another thing that I loved, and a lot of TV. But in The Music Man, Jefferson Mays plays the mayor, who's one of the great characters, and I'm going to let him explain. And The Music Man, like so much of Broadway, went through Broadway hell. They were up, they were down, everyone got COVID, people got better, then they got it again. The understudies were working like they've never worked in the history of theater. And in the end, all is well, because the music man is up and running and exciting, and the audience was packed and happy as can be. And Jefferson plays, his wife is Jane Howdyshell. And I know Jane a long time, too. She and my daughter-in-law were in a couple of uh, plays together over the years. But Jefferson, what a journey you've had with oh, the music, man. What a journey indeed, Joan. It's been in the works for over two years. I know. So we didn't believe it would finally uh, arrive on Broadway as it has. And then it took us probably about two, two weeks for our entire company to be together. Um, the swings and, and understudies and covers rose to the occasion, and um, the show was able to go on um, since so many of us. One night, we had 15 uh, people out with COVID. So, I don't um, know how you guys did. <laughs> it was a bit surreal being out on stage. My 4th of July speech, speech felt like a rather subdued AA meeting in a church basement rather than a patriotic event in, in uh, the town gymnasium. But uh, but here we are. We're back at full strength. And as you say, the audiences are, are flocking in. And it's been a joyous celebration, not only of this great American musical 
but of the return of, of theatre to Broadway and the uh, resilience of our fair city. No, and the gift of being able to work again. I mean, yeah. that that's what is so amazing. And, you know, it was funny, uh, at the intermission, I said to the usher, one of the ushers, I can't believe this crowd. What what happened to COVID? You know, yeah. and she said, COVID, what COVID? They're so <laughs> happy to be in the theater. Yes. On, that, we were, on our, for our first pre, uh, preview, um, we were all in the wings as the um, the first number was underway, and we just all burst into tears. Uh, we were su- completely surprised by the emotional nature of, of this moment of coming together again with a living, breathing, laughing, gasping audience that we'd missed like a long-lost friend or relative for this these two years in exile. So we were all just wiping tears from our eyes, mascara running down people's cheeks, trying <laughs> to get ourselves together. Uh, to do the rest of the show, but it was so profoundly moving to be back at last. No, so exciting. And and it's like everyone, it wasn't just the cast and the staff and what makes a Broadway show go. The audience, too, been through over two years of this, and now they could just sit back and let the magic world take over. And yes. that's a great gift. I'm talking to Jefferson May, who's a wonderful actor. I'm sure he has a room somewhere filled with Tonys and Lucille Lortel's and Drama Desk and Out of Critics <laughs> and all the awards for his work. When you were a kid growing up in Connecticut, you didn't come from a theater family. No, I didn't uh, exactly. My mother had acted in college and um, had been in Summerstock and got her equity card. But this was the 1950s, and she either could do that or marry my dad. Um, mm-hmm. And he was a naval officer and, a, and an illustrator, and uh, she was a children's librarian. So they loved the theater, and I was exposed to the theater as an audience member, but I didn't really do theater until, um, until I got to college. But uh, we did listen to you, however, with Rambling with Gambling. Uh, oh, my gosh, up. you now have... It's so funny. I, I spoke to John Gambling, the son, the, the, the granddaddy, who was the a grand, famous yeah. British musician, was the first gambling on the radio. And then I called him my John was the second one. And then his yeah. son, John R., was the third one. And families right. like yours were part of our extended family. Indeed, we were. Yeah. So, but it's been and, lovely to to follow you and uh, throughout your career and to and to get to talk to you. No, knock on wood, we've all been lucky. And when you decided that acting was where it's at, it really started working. Yes, yeah, I, I fell in love with it as a purely extracurricular thing while I was in college, and then it quickly eclipsed my academic studies to the point where I think I barely scraped by because I was just doing plays constantly. But it was the best sort of uh, training one could receive, just uh, out from under faculty supervision, just a bunch of passionate, enthusiastic kids blundering on together and teaching each other. Well, and now here you are in one of America's favorite plays, playing the mayor, along with your wife, of River City, Iowa. Yes. And you guys succumb to the charms of Professor Harold Hill who is out to get everyone in the town to give him a couple of bucks 
to create a boys band. If you just think the notes, it will happen. You know, ironically, <laughs> people believe that. Yes. Yes. The power of positive, positive thinking. Um, yes. Jane, the divine Jane Howdy Shell, to whom I am so delighted to be married eight performances a week. She's, she's just the most wonderful onstage spouse you could ever right. hope to have. Perfect, right? Fun. And then she goes yeah. home at night. Who could have a better marriage? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, success, the secret to our success, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, we play the, the, the rather uh, intractable uh, and resistant mayor and Mariessa uh, of River City, Iowa. But we too, yes, succumb to the charms of, of Harold Hill. And the entire town uh, undergoes this this extraordinary, miraculous transformation of being resistant to art and to change and to indeed love. Uh, and then we are we are uh, transformed. Right. And and the mayor, Mayor Shin, is a really interesting part because he's got so many dimensions. On one hand, he can't say anything straight. It all comes out. But on the other hand, you've got to make him, which he is, a parent really caring about his kids and his daughters and worried about everything. Yes, he's very much a loving father and a loving husband in his, you know, totalitarian, patriarchal fashion. But he wants the best for his town. And then when he uh, encounters this charismatic force, in the guise of Harold Hill, um, he feels terribly threatened and uh, and fights a, a, a rather a rear guard action through most of the play before he too is brought around. But I enjoy him immensely. Number one, it's great to be wearing one costume and, yeah, and playing like one <laughs> character for a change. Uh, it's a less schizophrenic experience. But I am, um, as you say, trying to bring out as many uh, dimensions uh, of, of the man as possible. And you know, I I know that. It, Everyone on Broadway, many of them are still not back, and you guys were lucky, good producers who stood by you, and you came back. But during COVID, I mean, it wasn't just a few months, which we all thought it was going to be. It was over two years. How do you really do that? Two years without working, without money. How How did you guys all survive? Did you meet to rehearse in the middle, or did you just hide away like the rest of us? Well, there was a fair amount of that, of course. It's been certainly tough on everyone, but uh, there were little little pop-up rehearsals here and there. I know that Hugh Jackman um, and Sutton Foster, our remarkable leads, would meet together and you know tap dance furiously with Warren right. Carlyle, the choreographer, um, you know, for a week or two here and there. Uh, little workshops with the corps de ballet here and there. Uh, but the rest of us just sort of sat at home and memorized our lines and and prayed for this plague to lift, uh, right. which it finally has. But um, we were sort of sustained by our faith that it would indeed come to pass. Yeah, and you weren't here, right? Were, weren't you, I forget where I read, you were in I was, L.A.? I was in, or- I was in exile in Los Angeles. Um, my wife and I were going to come back on March 13th, the day of the lockdown in 2020. So we turned around literally on our way to the airport huh. and sat tight in Los Angeles. Uh, and then I did some recorded books and a couple of film and TV projects here and there. Um, of course, L.A., the motion picture and television industry was not forced to 
close utterly, like our theatrical industry. Right. So I was able to uh, mercifully work a bit. And, you know, I forgot to ask you, when everyone was dropping like flies around you, including your leading lady, Sutton Foster, did you ever get COVID or did you steer clear? I didn't get it, miraculously enough. Although I have my suspicions, my theory is that I was wearing a prosthetic nose at the time uh, that I had designed by a wonderful L.A. uh, makeup artist, and I was hoping to wear it. I wore it for 20 previews, and then Jerry Zachs, our director, uh, came up and said, do you want to try it without the nose tonight? See how that works. And then he sent me a rather cryptic text later saying, I didn't miss the nose. I hope you didn't either. Thanks. (laughs) So it was fired. But I think the nose offered me an extra layer of protection. And the adhesive I was using was so uh, evil smelling, I think I might have stumbled upon not a cure for COVID, but at least, yeah, some sort of uh, guard against it. No, that's true. And and it's it, because it's airborne, you breathe it in through your nose and having that fake nose probably exactly. took really good care of you. I'm not kidding. I think it, it did something. I think everyone should have been wearing prosthetic noses and we wouldn't have been touched. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens, but let's hope that it is over and that yes. it has to just feel good. Right. When you were in L.A., did you have a place there or you had to suddenly rent something? Yes, we we rented a a little apartment in L.A. to hunker down in, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was certainly beautiful uh, to be there, but we missed our New York so much. I know, but thank goodness you're back, and you have such a good cast. Everyone from the kids are absolutely full of joy and adorable, and I think that's what we all love so much. It was contagious that everyone on that stage... I, I'm so glad you brought that up. We have 21 kids making their Broadway debuts. So That's half adorable. the cast. And it is just as you say, Joan, this whole experience is infused with such joy. And I credit that um, to the kids who um, are just so thrilled to be on stage. Of course, the adults are just thrilled to be back. Of course. But, but they, I've always subscribed to that W.C. Fields adage of like, never get on stage with kids and dogs. And <laughs> I don't think that anymore. They have sustained this company with their sheer exuberance and delight and, and their extraordinary skill and discipline. So I, I just have so much respect for my young colleagues. And they, they fill me with, with such pride and such hope for the future of our art and our industry you know what you're right some of them are so little and they dance like pros it's and they sing and they dance and they run all over the stage and you're taken with them uh, on this incredible journey yes you know and how often jefferson can we sing songs when you leave the theater all the musicals in the past couple of years you know you can't do it because no they're not meant to be sung out loud. Right. These are, but these are songs, as you say, that are popular songs that you, you march down the street singing at the end of the show. And they seem to be, this, this score seems to be in our blood um, as Americans and American theater goers. So it's, it's kind of a, a glorious uh, sing-along. And have you ever worked with all the amazing things you've done on Broadway 
and off. Have you ever worked with Jackman before? Or Never. Sutton Foster? My wife, uh, Susan, who's Australian. And an actress. Uh, worked with him, and an actress, worked with him uh, in Australia. They were like cops together in a police procedural. And she's good friends with Deborah Lee Furness, his, his wife. But I've never uh, worked with Hugh before. And there's no one like him. He is one of the most lovely human beings and talented actors I've ever worked with. And he's been such a beautiful leader of this company. He and Sutton both have plied us with bagels and lottery mm. tickets and donuts and cupcakes. And, oh, and they nice. just take such good care and uh, make a special effort to come around and talk to everyone. So it's, it's, it's sort of a hackneyed uh, phrase, but it, is, it does feel like a family. Well, it looks like a family, too. And thank you so much. I love the mayor. He made me laugh and smile. And all continued success. Good luck. We'll talk again soon. That would be such fun. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, my dear. Take care of yourself. All the best. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC Radio, and there's much more to come. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.